It's derby time. Come on, tell your friends. We'll go to many distant lands with Dan the coach and Jackie the skater. The fun will never end. It's derby time. Welcome to the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer. Thank you for joining me today on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. Today's the continuation of last week's episode, which was on injuries. It's not my favorite topic to talk about. I don't think it's anyone's favorite topic to talk about because it's just so hard to go through. And today it's going to get a little bit rougher, just a little bit rougher, because today we're going to talk about major injuries that limit your ability to do anything, pretty much. We're going to talk about concussions. And we're going to talk about your mindset if you decide to mount a comeback or step away. And how, you know what? Either of those are fine. There are no wrong answers here. It is whatever is the right thing to do for you and your body, your family, your well-being. No judgment. I am going to give you stories of people going through it and coming out the other side doing something different and people defying the odds and returning to the sport they love. It's going to get real and maybe a little heavy at times, but I trust you can handle it because you are generally an awesome group of human beings. So let's get into it. You can break a bone, sprain an ankle, tear a ligament, pull a muscle. Some of these injuries will require surgery and all of these injuries will have a set amount of recovery time. And the vast majority of the time, you can recover fully. Maybe you'll even come back better than ever if you really focused on healing properly and training to improve your strength and mobility. But some injuries just go beyond the joints and the bones, and some affect your body's ability to function on a larger scale. So just a reminder before I go any further, Please don't be like me and keep going through big injuries. Don't pull a Jackie. Figure it out and heal. I'll tell you some of my stories of big mistakes I have made. Because really, you might not miss any games if you keep going, but you're going to be suffering a much longer period of time. You're going to be in pain a much longer period of time. And at the end of the day, what was it really for? Was that season that important? Or could you have a better well-being long-term if you had slowed down just a little bit, maybe a little? So I suffered a back injury in June one season. It was not a cool story. I went down the stairs in the middle of the night to shut some windows when it was raining and I missed a stair. One stair. It's not even a derby injury. I was having a stressful and emotional time in my life. And that is one of those moments where you're like, I can see how this happened. 
even though it was just kind of a fluke accident, it felt like it went, you know, it, it was no coincidence. So I was stubborn. I did not stop playing. Our season pretty much ran from like January to October that year. We had games that whole time with that team that year. And so the off season comes, it's only going to be like two months long. I tried everything. I listened to advice from everybody. Now that the season was over, a chiropractor, oh, I've, me and chiropractors, it doesn't really work. I know it works for some people, but it did not work for me. Um, I met Bonnie Destroyer. She came and did a camp with us. She suggested acupuncture. I gave that a try. Uh, I, don't, I didn't really feel anything. <laughs> I didn't feel any effects. But you know what? Maybe that works for some people. But I was just willing to try anything. Finally, I tried this crazy thing called a doctor <laughs> who sent me to physical therapy for the first time. And now that's really the first place I'll try to go as soon as I have something that I know is, is that bad. And I basically just go to the doctor. I'm like, can you just refer me to the PT now? Cause I know what's up. Like, I just want to go straight to the PT. So I started PT in December that year and was there for like four weeks. And after that, I continued working on my own and I considered myself pretty much pain-free in April. April, my pain was finally gone. That was a 10-month injury. And you know what? I don't think it had to be. My other really big injury that affected a large portion of my body was to my sternum ribs area a week before our first game of the season one year. So I handled this by resting for a few days and getting a chest protector and playing in that game. Um, we went on a road trip for four weeks or so immediately after that game. And I said, yeah, I'm going to be resting on this trip. I'm totally resting. I wasn't resting. You know what I was doing? I was doing burpees and push-ups and running. You know why? Because I'm a psycho who worries about my fitness. <laughs> so yeah, I sat in the car when we were driving, but I was too concerned with losing my endurance and my speed and not enough with healing. If I use that time to rest and not trained, like maybe took long walks with my dog, a lot could have been different. I played all that season, every game. And that was a tough season. That was a season where we were short on jammers, and I sometimes jammed every other jam for large portions of the game, occasionally back-to-back. -back. And I honestly, like if I can be truthful, I think it was one of my best seasons performance-wise. I do not know how because I was always fighting through pain. I think that that was a year I developed a ton of mental toughness because I had to overcome having a hard time breathing every time my heart rate got up. It felt like everything was just going to crumple in my chest, like I was made of glass. I was wheezing. I made some adaptations. I learned to sleep on my back because it seemed like the best way to keep my chest expanded at night and continue healing. I had this lovely um, Dumbo pillow, like it's shaped like Dumbo. I got it at Disney World. And I'd hug him to my chest at night, whenever I slept on my side to hold everything in place. Um, 
I had chest pain every day, every day. And sometimes it would creep up on me suddenly. I couldn't even predict when it was going to happen. It just always felt like there was a weight holding me down, like a weight just sitting on my chest. So finally, it's the off season. My chest protector was like broken at the end of the off season. Um, I worked more on resting. I finally went to a doctor and I'm, I think I took a couple months off and like really took it seriously finally. And when I was ready, I did a lot of push-ups and other exercises to strengthen that area. I got myself strong, but all told, that injury, like I, I wore a chest protector the whole next season and I think it took really about two years from the start to the finish to heal fully and be completely pain-free and symptom-free where I didn't have that pain in my chest, that difficulty breathing. So I really super curse my stubbornness with this one. I'm happy to say I can actually play without wearing a chest protector now and be okay. I, I still have two of them. Um, I bring one to every game and practice just in case there's some kind of like relapse and I would rather have it on. But with any injuries, when I'm feeling like fully healed and confident, I try to take off the braces and protectors and count on my body to be strong enough to do its job because I worked my butt off to get it there. Now, I know that's not the case for every type of injury um, that you still need that stuff to feel good and for your body to feel strong because you've been through some stuff. But that's just like my personal choice where I kind of feel restrained by those things, um, a little claustrophobic. And I just kind of want to have as little as possible on me holding me back when I want to perform. So that's two stories from me. Uh, but some injuries are really big and you don't know if you'll be able to come back to Derby. It's a tough subject. So let's take our sponsor break a little early this week so we can dive into this and give it our full attention. Okay, we're back. So with big injuries where your future is kind of uncertain, like you don't even know how bad it is. You don't know what the recovery time is. You don't know if Derby is going to be a possibility. I think it's really important to keep hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. Like don't shut off the possibility of Derby being in your life, but start to think about, okay, what would my life be like without Derby? And would that be okay? I think if you can at least paint a picture in your mind of what that's going to be and how it's not going to be the end of the world, it'll be a lot easier to get through this time because your friends are still your friends. I think people will still like you if you're not skating. I think people still want to be around you if you're not skating because you're still an awesome human being. You aren't limited only to what you can do on the track to be a cool person. <laughs> and there's a big wide world out there. There are so many things you could be doing. Um, so I think it's important for you to be able to live a full, happy, and healthy life than to continue playing roller derby sometimes. And 
I mean, can we really agree on that? Like, especially if you've got like a family, significant other, kids, a career you really care about, and you're worried about the long term, then, you know, there's life after roller derby. And I, I don't want to get into this too much more because I do plan to do a whole episode on retirement and explore that idea more. Um, but, you know, let's keep getting into it any, a little bit anyway. So for this section, I, I've been thinking about this episode for a long time and how I was really going to approach it and what would be the best way to be respectful to people in my life. And um, I thought about talking about people I personally know from Derby and their journeys and the struggles they've gone through with surgeries, with uncertainty, but it just seems like a little bit too personal. It's one thing for me to volunteer information about myself and be vulnerable, but it's another to talk about other people, especially when they're in the thick of it and still not sure what's going on. So instead of telling you specifically derby stories, I kind of want to go a little different direction so that um, my friends who are still going through this emotionally and physically figuring out if they're going to be able to play roller derby or dealing with forced retirement can have some space and maybe just perspective from a different angle. We all really desire the ability to choose when we stop, not to have the choice taken from us, but sometimes it is, and that's really tough. So this is going to get a little weird, but I want to talk about injuries in a different sport for comparison, and that sport is professional wrestling. But Jackie... Why would you talk about professional wrestling? That seems insulting. Haven't we for years been trying to separate roller derby from wrestling because it used to be fake and people were giving clotheslines and not wearing protective gear and we want to show everyone that we're, we're really real now. You know, we're real strong athletic revolutionary and, and all the buzzwords. Well, I want you to consider the fact that even though wrestling is sports entertainment, I would still very much consider it a sport because of all the athleticism involved and all the possibility for injury. Um, so yeah, you probably didn't know this, but Coach Dan and I do watch WWE. We really enjoy the athleticism and storytelling. We are former, you know, theater geeks, so we kind of enjoy the theatricality of the storylines. Um, yeah, um, I'm sorry to burst your bubble if you didn't know, but wrestling is more of a storytelling event with feats of strength and agility than a true competition. Um, I wouldn't call it fake. You know, like, oh, wrestling is fake because the physicality is super real, but I would call it predetermined. I would call it planned. But even with most matches planned, injuries happen. Specifically, there have been several neck injuries in wrestling. This doesn't happen very often in derby, but can you, can you imagine situations where you are like losing feeling in your extremities? I do know of one person in derby who is like losing feeling in different parts of her body and she's not the only one. So this is a little bit relatable, but, um, specifically, well, let's bring it back to wrestling. Cause I don't want to go into someone else's story, especially when I don't know all the details to speak to it properly. But in wrestling, I believe they just call it wrestler's neck. And there are many versions. And if caught at the right time, they can perform surgery. 
It's usually fusing a couple of your vertebrae together, from what I understand. And you can absolutely live a healthy, happy life, but it's possible you may never wrestle again. And this isn't an amateur sport like roller derby. This is a person's entire livelihood. This is how they're feeding their family. We don't get paid. So it's a lot easier sometimes to just be like, you know, I love this hobby, but it's an expensive hobby and my life has to come first. But if this is how you were providing your income your whole life and this was your dream, your childhood dream come to life being taken away, it's very scary to think about what's next. Not everyone's going to get a big career in acting, right? But if you get on that mat and take one more bad bump, that's the term for a big impact when you like, boom, like take a big, you know, someone hits you kind of, and then you, ah, but if you take one of those and it goes bad, you might never walk again, or God forbid, you might die. So there's a wrestler going through this right now. His name is Tommaso Ciampa. He's one of the best heel characters. That is the term for a character who is trying to get the audience to boo them, like the bad guy. Um, but he's the, one of the best ones the industry has ever seen because he took it to another level. He has no concern with being likable at all. He just claps for himself. He uh, has his belt and he calls it Goldie. And he basically acts like um, the dwarf from The Hobbit who's like obsessed with gold. Um, really great wrestler, really great storyteller, just awesome uh, promos. That's where you get the microphone and, and talk about things to get the story going. Um, so he has this amazing storyline with a tag team partner that was his best friend. Then he got a legit knee injury and was out for months, months during that time. Like, well, you're out anyway. Uh, he got surgery on both of his shoulders one at a time because you, you shouldn't do them both at the same time. Uh, both of them, like they just needed work and he had been putting it off. So, oh, I'm out anyway. Might as well do this. He did physical therapy like it was his life. Sometimes eight hours a day. He came back in the best shape of his life. He was like super cut. And then he turns on his best friend. No, like hits him with a crutch. They end up, uh, when he's fully heal healed, having a series of amazing matches, like best of the year stuff. And it was all leading up to this big event at the biggest show of the year. It was all coming down to this. This was like a two year storyline, but his neck caught up with him. It had been a problem that had been building over many years and it was finally at a, at a really dangerous point. Like his fingers tangled. Um, if he took a big bump, he might lose feeling in his arms and legs and not be able to move. Like, let me just say that again, unable to move, basically paralyzed temporarily. That's flipping scary. And the person he was wrestling, just going around doing something else to distract from the fact that, you know, Champa couldn't move right now until Champa could get moving again. You know, like <laughs> maybe you go take off the ring buckle or something to pretend you're going to do something dastardly. I don't know. Um, so this man in real life you know, has a wife, baby girl. He had to turn away from finishing the story. He probably could have gone and done that match, but it really... It couldn't wait any longer. 
So I listened to an interview with him on a podcast where he talked about how he felt about all this and how frustrating it was. But you know what he's using to get through it? Humor. He's basically like, well, my career is probably over, but what can you do? <laughs> he's trying to be kind of lighthearted. Like this incredibly fit guy cannot train right now doing anything. He can walk and sit and that's about it. Uh, he ordered some Uber Eats and got some donuts <laughs> on this day. Like he, he might never have another wrestling match, but I do believe if anyone can come back from this, this guy can because of how well he's handled his other injuries, his knee, his shoulders. Wrestling is a really unusual sport and the people who do it have a passion for it that goes beyond anything else. I mean, they are just throwing themselves on the ground like day after day doing crazy stuff. Maybe you can relate to that from roller derby. Like how many people step away and what they miss is like that release you get when you, you get to go hit somebody. <laughs> I think there is hope for Tommaso Ciampa, but he does have to prepare for the worst. If he can't get back in that ring, he'll probably have to take on like a backstage role of some kind. Injuring your neck, potential for paralyzation or death. That's so scary. And each of the wrestlers who has suffered this injury has to figure out what to do with their lives. One of my favorites, Edge, whose real name is Adam Copeland, found a second career in television acting on Haven and Vikings. Paige was the youngest women's champion ever. She started wrestling in her early teens. And now she has a movie out about her life called Fighting With My Family. And she pops up as a character on the program managing other wrestlers because she can still be a great character. Nikki Bella from the reality show Total Bellas did come back to wrestle for a while after surgery, but eventually decided retirement was what she needed to do. And another wrestler, Jason Jordan, is a backstage producer now, which means he helps other wrestlers set up their matches. All of them have had neck surgery. All of them. So... Why am I talking so much about wrestling? These are just examples of ways to say, like, if you shouldn't play derby anymore, if you really shouldn't, but you really want to continue to be involved with it, there are loads of things you can do. You can be a coach. You can be an official, an announcer, a volunteer in any number of ways. Like, you can still be an important part of roller derby without strapping your skates on and hitting somebody. Or you can just enjoy being a fan and having no responsibilities whatsoever, which could be especially nice if you're still in a mindset where you are dealing with this and you're really not sure how you feel and it's still an emotional thing. Maybe just be a fan for a bit. I don't think anyone would judge you for it. I mean, you are allowed to also step away entirely. You aren't married to roller derby. You can pursue other interests and hobbies. I have a friend who turned to curling after derby as an out-of-the-box example. So there's activities. There's life after derby, and I will explore more of that in a future episode. But for now, how about you find out how you could support the podcast? Hey there, friends. Want to know how you can support the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby podcast and look super cool doing it? 
our store has a bunch of roller derby designs that can be put on all kinds of super soft, high quality t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, hoodies, notebooks, mugs, stickers, blankets, and more at Threadless. Whether you love cartoon animals on roller skates, like our Apex Predator T-Rex or Jam Llama, to messages like Roller Derby Strong and My Mom Plays Roller Derby, there's really something for everybody. Visit powerforthwhistle.threadless.com. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E dot threadless.com. Thank you for your support and back to our show. Okay, we're back. Thank you for putting up with my little ads on stuff like that. Like, I, I don't get paid to do this, obviously. Like, it really helps if you just want to wear something cool that has a fun design. A little bit of the money comes back to me, and that helps me out. So thank you for everyone who's already bought stuff in the Threadless store. I love you guys. You're so great. And if you want to just go check it out, maybe check it out. Okay. What do you do when your injury doesn't let you do much at all when the injury is in your brain concussions here we go concussions are scary i had a conversation at champs a couple years ago with a high level skater that everyone would recognize the name of but i won't reveal here for that skater's privacy the team the skater plays for has competed at championships for years and the skater was very concerned that the speed and physicality at the highest level of play maybe wasn't protecting players enough anymore because she had sustained several concussions. And the last one kept her out for many weeks in which she struggled to function. It was terrifying for her. And she basically was in a place where she wasn't sure if it was worth it to continue playing for her own safety. So that brings me to my personal experience with concussions. If this story sounds familiar, it may be because I wrote an article on Medium about this before uh, last year, um, before I took the plunge into podcasting. I'm going to include a link to that article in the show notes if you'd like to read it and maybe pass it on to friends that don't listen to podcasts yet. What weirdos? You should get them into podcasts. (laughs) But, you know, maybe get them to come listen. So last year at our first game of the season, The back of my helmet hit the floor and I was sidelined with a concussion. It was one of those freak things where a skater was trying to reform, come back up to the front and took my skate out like from behind me so that I fell backward in a weird way and didn't get to protect myself. Every time I've had a concussion, it has been to the back of my head. Um, So it can be so frustrating to set up your off-season training so diligently, come into the season with momentum, ready to go, feeling better than ever, ready to take on the world, and then a random event takes it away, right? And the worst part is, it's your brain. What can you actually do without it? (laughs) I remember the first three days were the worst. Like I had so much head and neck pain. So I I did what I think anyone should do in the beginning. I hid from all screens. No screens, no TV, no phone, no anything. Um, I tried to sleep as much as possible. And when the bulk of that initial pain was gone, I really so badly wanted to go on like normal. 
I set all my screens to a lower brightness setting and tried to get back to work. And I thought if I did easier cardio, not as much like straight up jumping, I'd be okay, right? Wrong. <laughs> it, it turns out that just because an exercise didn't fit my personal definition of strenuous didn't mean my brain agreed with me. As a result, it actually took longer to heal than it might have otherwise. Are you noticing a pattern with me? <laughs> it was so frustrating. I had big trouble concentrating. Conversations were so difficult. Like I would just trail off searching for words. Like I, I couldn't even, I didn't even know what was happening sometimes. Um, but I, I did my best. Like I, I tried to hide how bad it was because I didn't want to worry anyone. Uh, so not a lot of people knew how much I was straight up struggling. Um, I kept showing up to social events because I, I didn't want to let anyone down or feel left out. But the toll it took on me was, was tremendous. I, a weekend of talking to people could lead to an entire day spent in bed with the covers over my head. It was just so much. But I was like trying so hard to be like, I'm normal. I'm normal. Everything is fine. I'm just not on skates right now. This is, this is normal. Uh, people who haven't had concussions before have asked what it's like. And it's, it's really different for everyone. And every concussion is different, even for the same person. So like I said before, this wasn't my first one. It was definitely my worst. I'd rather not say how many I've had because I don't want other people to worry. But the easiest way to explain my concussion experience is that anything could end up feeling like too much and get overwhelming, like too much screen time, too much distraction, too much interaction, too much movement. It was hard to concentrate. Like every day felt kind of fuzzy around the edges, like some sort of a Barbara Walters filter or something. Um, if I tried too hard to do things, it just got worse. And the only way back was to rest and take a break from it all. It's this invisible injury. No one realize, no one realizes how hard you are trying to keep it all together and act normal and how exhausting that is. And my brain injury made me extra emotional. At one point, I cried three times in one day. Not pretty crying. It was ugly crying. And it was just like I had no control over anything. It's so hard to give up control like that. So I had to change my mindset. And I mean, I, I had to think about it like, okay, this is a setback. And you need to remember those words we all say, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, I didn't feel like I had control. What are the things I could control? So I've got a list here of what I came up with during this time of the things I could, I could control. And I don't think these are, I think some of these could help with other types of injuries too. So this is like the mindset portion of this, how to fix your mind when it's not working very good. <laughs> so number one is rest. Something I could control is I could make sure I was getting enough sleep at night and try to also make time for some kind of nap during the day whenever I could. 
at least like lay down for a little while without looking at anything or listening to anything. That also could count as rest. Just be quiet and let the brain be. And the perks, I got to snuggle with my dog and cats a lot more, right? (laughs) Second, hydration and nutrition. I could always keep drinking water since that seems to be helpful with anything. It can only make things better, right? And I can keep my nutrition in check. Remember to eat. (laughs) Don't forget to eat and try to eat good foods. Like those all, those will help, right? That'll help with anything. Number three, just slow down. It's not like I wasn't allowed to move at all. I wasn't completely stuck in traction or anything. Um, But instead of going running with my dog, we went for those long walks on the beach that I should have been taking during my other injuries. And instead of listening to podcasts all the time, because it was hard to concentrate on doing two things at once, I listened to the waves on the water because I'm... I'm really fortunate enough to live by some beautiful water. This gave me, it gave me lots of time to think, evaluate the situation and realize like, Hey, I could still do strength training. It was even recommended in all the articles I read to help the brain grow and repair. I mean, don't go ham, but you know, um, within reason, strength training It's totally a reasonable thing to do. Anything that's just a slow and controlled movement would be okay for me because I wouldn't be getting jostled so much. And I learned during this time where I needed more work in my mobility. I learned a lot of things last year about where I wasn't as flexible, which is why I'm continuing to work on it this year. It's been like a nice long process that I only figured out because I was forced to slow down during this time. And that's when I started doing more yoga too. Did a lot more yoga. So number four, just check out, (laughs) check out. You can check out of more things now. For me, especially for concussions, it's, it was important to stay away from devices and screens as much as possible. And that gave me a lot of perspective during that time, that distance. I really don't need to be on my phone that much. There are no emergencies in the world that need my attention. Like, seriously, when did scrolling ever make anyone happy? If you're just scrolling and scrolling, there's been studies that if you're on your phone just scrolling all the time, it actually could make you more depressed. Uh, sometimes you're just, sometimes I, I know I've, I've just scrolled to try and find something happy and some days you don't find enough happy, so you just have to put the thing away. So, not scrolling at all, not harmful to me, it actually benefited me a lot. Limiting my online access opened up more time to look around me at the world I'm in right now to be present, be in the moment with my husband and my furry family to be outside, look around at all the nature and to relax. The benefit I've gained from this is feeling more free than ever, like knowing I'm not missing anything. Seriously, anything in the world that's that important, someone will usually tell me about it in person. I will find out if it actually matters. (laughs) Number five, hey, set goals. 
We had a whole episode about goal setting earlier this year. And one of the hardest parts about being sidelined with any injury, especially if you're a highly motivated person, which I'm sure a lot of you are. Otherwise, why would you go the extra mile listening to a podcast about roller derby? When it, the hard part is feeling like you're not getting anywhere, right? Like you're not making progress, like you're behind with the setback, you're backsliding. There really has to be a feeling of making progress, of accomplishment to work your confidence back up. So um, at this time in my life, when I was going through this, I had been working on achieving the perfect pull-up. It was really important to me that I finally be able to do a pull-up the right way without any help, without really using my legs so much. And I'd been using these big resistance bands to help me. And each week I would get closer. I'd, I'd go down a band and my grip strength like didn't start out very strong. So I set a goal of how long I just wanted to hang from the bar. Like these are really simple things I could do to do a slow and controlled movement and to feel like I was getting somewhere closer to this goal of mine. And, um, even with stretching, I could feel like I was getting closer to what I wanted with range of motion in my body. Like just setting little achievable goals. Like this is something I can work on right now. Like if you're someone who has trouble touching your toes, maybe you'd be working on getting closer and closer to just touching your toes. I think that's a worthy goal and it'd make you feel a little better as you were getting closer, right? Number six, support the team. So at this point, I couldn't play in the next game because I, all told, I was out six weeks off skates. Um, so the next game was coming up. I wasn't anywhere near symptom-free yet, and I knew that. But I knew also that the team still needed me, that I could be a valuable part of the team. So I, I did gear up just for looks, Mace, mostly. <laughs> um, I, I sat on the bench and I vowed to give as many high fives as I could. Uh, I, I always had like a kind word or a reminder for skaters that needed it. I kept urging my teammates to take risks and use the skills they've been working on in practice. It can be so heartbreaking not to be out there, but I threw myself completely into positivity and being a ray of freaking sunshine for everybody. It felt really good. It felt really good to do that. Like it felt like I helped and it felt like I was still a part of the team even if I couldn't be out there doing things physically. I was still an emotional and mental part of the team. I could still give something. And then after that weekend, I think I crawled into a hole and put a blanket over my head because it took a lot out of me, but I felt like I got to help. And number seven, coming back to Tommaso Ciampa's approach here, keep a sense of humor about life and about the situation. My brain wasn't working. Thinking was hard. <laughs> there was a day I went walking with my dog and I came back to my driveway. And for this minute, I was like looking at these footprints. I was like, whose footprints are these? I don't understand. It's so early in the day. Why, what are these footprints? And it eventually dawned on my brain. Oh, these are my footprints. Like, can you imagine how weird that is not to be able to put these together quickly? 
there was a time I told my husband I was going grocery shopping and I'd check the fridge for stuff he was out of. Guess what? I didn't. I said this information to him and within minutes went straight out the door and forgot about it. He got no groceries (laughs) on this visit. How did I not even remember? He, I don't know. The brain is weird. It works in mysterious ways. So these types of incidents became funny stories I'd tell later and laugh about because what else can you do? I don't want to get depressed and bummed out over it. It's a lot better to laugh. (laughs) So anytime I forgot something, I would just laugh and I'd say like, sorry, my brain doesn't work right now. (laughs) In fact, this excuse was was so fun to use that... um, I kind of just wanted to keep using it uh, (laughs) post-recovery. Like, I'm sorry, my brain no work. Boom, boom. Um, Yeah, sometimes you just got to laugh because it's weird and it's scary and you don't know what's going on and it's fuzzy around the edges and you could just dwell on only that or you can make a joke or you can realize, hey, this is temporary. Someday I'm going to be normal again. It doesn't feel like it's going to be anytime soon, but it will happen, especially if I keep on my plan and be good, be (laughs) well-behaved. So yeah, it was at least six weeks, maybe even a little bit more before I felt like myself again, like a, a human being, like how I normally would act. And again, while these, these points I just made were about my personal experience with a concussion, and everyone's concussion is different. I think that these ideas can also be translated into many different injury situations. I don't think that these are limited to concussions as far as if you are stuck, if you are limited, what are the things you can control? What are the things you can do? What are the optimistic ways you can look at the situation? What are the benefits you're getting from changing up your routine right now? Like limiting screen time had a lot of benefits for me. I still, to this day, keep my brightness settings low, pretty low on all my devices because gosh darn it, that's a lot more relaxing. (laughs) I only turn them up for like editing photos now. So just remember with any injury, it's just a setback. It doesn't have to be forever. It probably won't be forever, especially if you really take care of yourself and do the things you're supposed to do to get come back. This will actually have an end. Or it's a path to a different type of life that could be equally awesome, maybe even better than what you've been doing, right? So there's plenty of things you can do about it. You're not helpless. You're strong. You're not giving up. You're being smart and planning for your comeback. This could be to roller derby or just living a better, healthier life with your body. Okay, I've been talking for a long time, but I want to leave you with one more story. Let's take it back to wrestling just for a moment. I'm sorry, but more wrestling. So one of the best wrestlers in the world is Brian Danielson, who goes by the name Daniel Bryan. He's the smaller guy that made it big. He was the ultimate underdog. Management wouldn't get behind him, but the fans loved him. They loved his wrestling. They loved the stories he told, the crowd reaction whenever he came out. Nobody could deny This guy was a big deal and people really loved him. The company finally let him win the big one, win the big belt 
and it was epic. People were so happy to have their favorite wrestler finally on top of the mountain. But his style of wrestling did put his head in harm's way more often than it should have been. At one point, he lost all the strength in his right arm and had to have neck surgery. Back then, they never thought he'd wrestle again, but he did everything he could to recover, and he came back six months later from neck surgery. A year later, he got pulled from shows. Nobody really knew what was going on, but it came out that he had sustained several concussions over his career. I saved the story till now because of the concussions aspect. Ten documented concussions and probably a lot more undocumented. Nobody really knows how many he had because he kind of tried to play it off because he loved wrestling and wanted to keep wrestling. But the scans on his brain determined it was unsafe for him to continue wrestling. They wouldn't clear him. But wrestling was his life and his passion. He was married, he's still married to the other Bella twin, Brie Bella, and they have a daughter. But even in an uh, off skates role, an off, you know, mat role, I'm not sure how, what you would call it, but he took on other roles that didn't involve him wrestling. Like he'd show up as a character and like set up matches and whatever, but his heart wasn't in it. It wasn't what he really wanted to do. He wanted to wrestle. He wanted to get in the ring and wrestle. Can you relate to that? (laughs) Maybe not wrestling, but derby. So like I said before, concussions are an invisible injury. You seem fine. Lots of people wanted him to come back. He wanted to come back most of all. He was like retired from in-ring wrestling for years. Like during that three years, he tried every procedure, training, you name it to get himself better, and to get cleared for wrestling. He worked his butt off on recovery. And eventually, it was a really happy day. He got cleared by neurosurgeons, neurologists, and concussion experts, and now has returned to wrestling. This is a success story. He changed his in-ring style to keep himself a little bit safer, but you can tell now he is having the time of his life. He is so happy to be back in wrestling. So I told you the story of Daniel Bryan just to be a story of hope. This guy had no chance, no chance. Everyone said so. It was hopeless. But even the impossible can be possible sometimes. So that's just to say, hey, don't give up hope entirely. There might be something you can still do that you just haven't found yet. So again, with injuries, there's no wrong answers here. It is whatever is the right thing to do for you, your body, your family, your way of life. There's no judgment. If you hang up your skates and do something else to support the team, you're a saint and a fan, and we love you. If you hang up your skates and move on to other exciting or relaxing, wonderful activities in your life, Roller Derby will miss you, but will appreciate all the love and effort you put into it. And if you fight like hell and plan an epic comeback, we'll love you for that too. But any choice you make will be met with love and acceptance and support. And finally, we got through this really tough episode. Thank you for listening. Um, Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. We can be found on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be heard. Thank you for the extra ratings this week. 
saw some more come in. Thank you very much. And once again, it really helps to leave those reviews. If you just have a minute, like all you got to do is open up the Apple podcast app on your phone. It is purple. And you just scroll down to the bottom. You can see the ratings and reviews there and just, you know, punch the stars, punch, 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 and leave a review. Tell me about you. Tell me about what you want to hear on the podcast, what you enjoy, what's working. Um, it doesn't have to be about me. I just love hearing the feedback because, you know, podcasts are a little weird. Like if you put up a video on Facebook or a meme or something, you might get some comments. You might know how it's doing, how people are reacting to it. But with podcasts, you can find out how many people are listening, but you don't always know, like, do they like it? Did this work? What could have been better? You don't get a lot of feedback. Some of you have been amazing and have reached out to me personally in direct messaging, and that has been really cool. But a really great way to let me know what you think is to jump on there and leave a review. Um, you can also follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash power through fourth whistle. That's P-O-W-E-R-T-H-R-U, the number four T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at power fourth whistle. I'm totally doing these things now. Um, kind of. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, email powerforthwhistle at gmail.com or send us a DM on any of the social stuff. Links and handles can be found in the show notes. I'm going to be including a link to that article. Thank you so much for listening to this super important, super difficult episode to make. This is so hard. It's, it's so hard to pull this one out this week and last week, but you guys are awesome. Thank you for being super cool listeners and for sharing with your friends. Really appreciate all of you. And we have been talking about Derby and sharing Derby thoughts. Pew, pew. Don't forget to come back. I've got special guests coming up. Mystery guests. Ooh.